Welcome back to Path to Glory, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. This episode was made possible by our patrons, so thank you to everyone who supports us. If you're interested in supporting the podcast monetarily, please check us out at patreon.com slash path to glory. If that's not possible, we still appreciate the listens and the ratings. This is your host, Aman Kusro, and as always, I am joined by my cunning co-host, Jonathan Davy. Wee oui, wee. Oui. There you go. Is, um, that the, is, that, <laughs> is this a French war band? Is that, uh, uh, is that what's happening here? I don't know. I don't know, but uh, it's kind of what I was feeling today. The orcs, the orcs have British accents, right? So maybe, well, the, yeah, they're like old English footballer. <laughs> like, boy, maybe the swamp orcs are, we doing out are French. Yeah, yeah, maybe these guys are French. Can you imagine oui. French orcs? Wee <laughs> wee. Oui, oui. <laughs> I don't boy. know if I can. I can't. I can't even do it. Jeez. <laughs> um, okay. Well, in today's episode, we will be covering <laughs> the Cunning Crew, which is the Second Warband and the Harrow Deep core box set. We'll be going over their um, the faction as a whole. Um, talk about uh, the lore, the fighter cards, the uh, faction cards, and then share you know kind of like our thoughts on what we've seen and and what we think they might kind of end up. Um, uh, Jonathan, do you want to make a quick announcement for the Alliance Format League again, in case someone didn't listen to the previous episode, and then we can go ahead and get started. Yeah, we are going to start our Alliance Format league um in the next month or so we're accepting signups um it's been a lot of fun previously so sign up if you would like to play get that team together and go for it we have new cards war bands and all of the good stuff so hopefully we'll be in a nice rhythm by you know mid-november and uh we can get going yeah should be fun yeah i'm really excited we usually get a good turnout good community involvement so um, yeah. As the game continues to evolve and grow, we try to adapt, as we always do. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, I was supposed to get my cast off yesterday, just a sand mm. side tangent. And then as I'm going to the doctor's appointment, I get a call and says, hey, our x-ray machine is down. Come back on Monday. <laughs> I was oh, no. so bummed because I'd be walking right now. But instead, yeah. I'm rolling on something called a knee rover. If you're not familiar with that, Google it. it saved my life. I don't <laughs> use crutches. I use a knee rover. It looked like a definite improvement over crutches. So, yeah, yeah, I was like rolling around at your wedding, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. Okay, well, let's get into the Cunning Crew. So, yeah, this Cunning Crew is a vicious gang of cruel boys, which is a new faction in Age of Sigmar. You've probably seen them all over. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cunning Crew lives up to its admittedly self-appointed name, and uh, that they just love to. Tilt the odds in their favor. They love an unfair fight and they like to be malicious for no reason. So they're kind of like cruel. Um, they're like, they're the type of, like, they're like a gang pretty much. They'll jump out of the shadows, hamstring you, kind of leave you to grovel and beg, you know, torture you um, and maim you, which isn't really fun. But um, they like it. They, well, it's fun for them, yes. <laughs> um, Manic the, Manoc the Cunning is their leader. He's from the Beast Breaker tribe. And um, he kind of like runs the show. He's got Torko who has a git snatcher. So he kind of like picks up gits or smaller creatures and captures them or throws them around. And essentially he's just got a little crew that kind of runs around with him. There's a Hobgrot, um, which is those new like half goblin, half 
not goblin things that are yellow. <laughs> um, that guy is literally just trying to collect the loot. He is just trying yep. to secure the bag, nothing more, nothing less. And then there's got these two grots that kind of follow through and kind of hang out with them. And their whole purpose is um, they kind of just accidentally popped up in the Harrow Deep. They were hunting a bog worm and <laughs> they were going down a tunnel and they somehow ended up in, um, uh, you know, Harrow Deep. And they were like, yo, this place is really cool. It's really dark. It's dingy. It's wet. Um, there's a lot of other random people here. And we've been jumping them and we've been having fun. So they are trying to get back out so they can get more people to get back in with them. <laughs> and uh, he's trying to set up like a cruel boy empire where he's trying to be the boss. So he's having fun. Very yeah. green skin. Yeah, very interesting flavor uh, of a warband and the. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I think of this new faction. They are very curious looking. There's something about them that doesn't quite feel like Warhammer to me in the same way that orcs do, but I don't know. It's because uh, they're not buff. Like if you think about like yeah. classic orc, like they're like you never like you never noticed how unproportioned orcs are until you take away the armor and the muscle. Maybe. You know? I feel like, like the look- proportions are what weirds me out about these ones. But interestingly, it's like if you look at the crushes or like yeah. the Iron Skulls boys, they have the same proportions, like, you know, like weird yeah. short legs, elongated <laughs> torso and all that. So they just got a lot of muscle while these guys, these guys give me like a Lord of the Rings vibe for sure. Um, yeah. It does which seem is kind of why I like them. them. Like the leader looks like um, Azog, you know, from The Hobbit. So mm-hmm. he's green yep. instead of pale. So. I guess it's a kind good in a bird cage there. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's a good segue to get into the fighter cards. So um, <laughs> the crow on his shoulders, like hey, that's mine. <laughs> yeah, more. Crow. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Um, the miniatures are outstanding, by the way. If you haven't seen them, the sprues are all online on Warhammer Community. Um, yep. And again, we didn't mention this on the last one, but thank you to Games Workshop for giving us a preview copy of Harrow Deep for free we have to mention the for free part um really appreciate it uh so we can help promote the product and the game so yep. starting out with manok the cunning he is the leader of the war band he's got five wounds three move and one block he's got a range two two smash two damage attack and he's got a reaction called cunning command use this reaction after a friendly fighter's move action Choose another friendly fighter adjacent to this fighter. That fighter makes a move action as well. Um, so this kind of signifies, you know, they mentioned in the lore that he has like a, you know, a prodding spear and a whip. So he's probably enthusiastically motivating, you know, his fighters to <laughs> kind of do what he wants them to do, which makes sense. Um, yeah. So this warband all share the same inspire condition, but they have two different inspire conditions that can trigger the global inspire. Either three or more enemy fighters are out of action. Or after an attack action, which this fighter supports or is supported. So very, very interesting inspiration and one that um, is actually very easy to do when you hear about what some of the other characteristics of the Mm -hmm. Warband are. So once Manok inspires, he goes to four move. Um, His Triprada and Lash go to three smash and he gets the Grievous ability. Mm -hmm. So three smash with the propensity to uh, 
do three damage if he rolls a crit. What do you think about our boy Manok? Um, I think he is extremely powerful. Yeah. Um, his base stats are probably a little above average. Um, range two is very, very good. Two smash is average. Um, five wounds is very nice. Remove one block is, I would say, average. So I think his attack action and his health um, help a lot. His reaction, I think, will occasionally be a big deal in the first round. I'm not so sure after that. Um, but I think you can make use of it because um, the adjacent friendly fighter doesn't have to or can have already moved. So you can get some double usage out of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's one that's hard to parse right away. I can see some, I, I think you'll set up with somebody next to him. So you have it in the bag, but um, I think good positioning later on could make it kind of a big deal too. Well, let me ask you this. You can just charge, right? Move Manok, react, move someone next to him and then get the supporting attack. And then they both inspire. Uh, yeah, I think so. Cause it looks to be that way, right? Yeah. It looks like he can be one, he can be the friendly fighter as well. That may yep. move. So you can move, but you'd have, you'd have to move adjacent to move action. So the move action is over and then you have to choose another friendly fighter adjacent to Manok. Yep. Um, then you can hop the other guy next to them. But the cool thing is that you don't have to be anywhere near Manok when you end the move. So it's kind of like a gets scurry in that way um, with less restriction. So I, I think it is a powerful move. Um, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how, how it'll pan out, but, and then his inspired side is really good. Three smash is great. Grievous is not as good as three damage, which would be pretty insane. Um, but it's, it's pretty good. You know, about half the time you hit, you'll hit for three. Yeah. I think he's a really good fighter. Um, yeah. So he's actually, I think the best fighter in the box in just terms of stats. Yeah. This next one's a close second. <laughs> Torka tough skull. Yup. Torka tough skull. He looks like the orc version of the juggernaut. Um, yep. with his, with his helmet. Three move, one block, four wounds, two range, man snapper weapon with hits on two fury and two damage, but it has ensnare and grievous. <laughs> yep. in, addition, in addition to that, is a grapple special ability. If this fighter is within two hexes of the target, when another friendly fighter makes an attack action, this fighter is a supporting fighter, which is pretty big because then they both inspire. It's insane. Yep. Yeah. And then same inspire condition. And then if the inspire condition occurs, he goes to four move, which is pretty big deal. His man snapper goes from two fury to two smash, which is insane in terms of accuracy and the grapple rule still sticks. So pretty good. Yeah. I mean, basically the grapple ability makes their inspire condition somewhat laughable because he has, he has a bubble of support which is amazing by itself, but then it makes them all automatically inspire basically. And it makes him inspiring. Very, very simple. I think you basically just sort of put him in the front. And then if someone goes anywhere near him, then everybody else that charges inspires and he'll inspire and then he can do stuff. Yeah. So 
you go near them, the leader goes in, the leader and this guy inspire. If the leader's able to just attack, then he'll inspire without charging. Um, so this makes this makes these two fighters like you really just don't want to go near them in the in that first round, which is really interesting. Like it's a pretty scary prospect. Yeah, they're both the fact that they're both range two is also quite potent. Um, yeah, I mean his his inspired stats and like he's basically going to be he's he's kind of like. Uh, repair and then he's going to basically inspire right away as mm. soon as he gets near anything yeah um he's going to inspire because it's not going to be hard to have him support something um and he's got a very solid uh yeah very solid attack profile there yeah well, and yeah because you're right because inspiring him is a kind of a joke so right yeah works out okay well next fighter is crook grin um i think he's my favorite thematically <laughs> Three movement, one block, three wounds, cruel mm-hmm. dagger, range one, two fury, two damage, same inspire condition. But he probably has the coolest ability in the history of the game in terms of name, <laughs> uh, money bags. So if you are a hip hop fan, money bag, money bag, money bag. Um, <laughs> action, choose one friendly minion and spend one glory point. When you do, the chosen fighter makes one attack action that attack action has plus one dice until it has been resolved. So just for reference, the last two uh, warband fighters we'll talk to are minions. So essentially what he does is he like, essentially like his, here's a coin, go fight harder, you know, <laughs> which I think is pretty cool. Um, if you manage to inspire Crook Grin, he goes to um, two dodge from one block. So he starts hopping around a lot, which I think we've seen that in the past is a pretty, you know, big change. Um, Mm -hmm. his cruel dagger gets pretty powerful as well. It goes to three fury with cleave, but it stays at two damage and the money bag action stays. So is it pretty solid? He he can do it to two fighters now. Choose it to two friendly minions. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really interesting. It makes the weapons on the little guys pretty scary. Yeah. Get definitely somebody. hundred percent. It is an action, which is, you know, instead of attacking normally, you would just do that. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, yeah, the action makes it not as worth it, but I still think it's kind of cool. Um, yeah. You know, if maybe fighters are dropping or you're trying to set up a turn. If you're able to set it up or if you're just kind of at the end of the game when you have a minion in him and you, the minion has a good weapon, you know, maybe you charge, hit once, and then you next round you do this i don't know i think it has some possibilities it's better than not having it <laughs> yeah and the thing is is the action makes them make an attack action so yeah that's yeah. pretty it's good. kind of a different way of you know making that attack so yeah exactly um okay well the last two are shank and gicket and shank and gicket have very similar profiles um yeah. They're both three move, one block, which I think is first time we're going to see, I think, uh, goblins yeah, with, um, with one block, which is pretty cool. They're wearing a lot of armor. They're both two wounds. Um, mm-hmm. Gicket has a range one, two fury, one damage attack that does Grievous. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shank has a range three, two fury attack for one damage. Both of them have the same inspire condition as the rest of the warband. And they both have a special ability called pain in the knee. 
when this fighter provides support, count him as two supporting fighters, which yeah. means that you want them to be aggressive because they can make your other big guys extremely accurate, including one another, if you kind of keep them in a pair. Yep. Um, when Shank and Gigit both inspire, they both jump to two dodge and four move. Um, the crude net goes from two fury, one damage, to two smash, one damage within snare. And the mm -hmm. cruel irons go from two fury, one damage grievous, to three fury, one damage grievous. What do you think about yeah. the uh, the goblins? Um, they're okay. It seems like they're basically there to hold objectives or hold gloom or what have you. Um, I sort of think that the support thing is a trap unless you know you're able to. There'll be situations when it comes in useful, I think. But um, off the bat, looking at just the fighter stats, not having taken a close look at the cards yet, um, this seems kind of like a defensive war band with the big guys in the front, mm -hmm. and then the little guys. Yeah. You know, holding the holding the back, which I think is a style of play that um, I'm going to enjoy. So it's cool. The the, yeah. big, the two big guys in particular just seem so so strong. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the little guys are just there to stand on stuff. That's true. That's very true. At least how I'm probably going to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've um, I've been uh, messing around with the the, the cards and stuff and been really enjoying some of the decks I've been building already. So pretty excited um, playing both of these warbands, honestly, but uh, why don't we get into the objectives? So why don't you start with, uh, with that? Yeah. So the first one we have here is born survivors for one glory score this in an end phase. If the number of friendly fighters out of action is equal to, or less than the current round number. So we actually saw this card for, the truth seekers, I think. But they had the opposite where it's, you know, enemy fighters, this is friendly fighters. So Oh, you're right. Yeah, this is front. Okay. So it's kind of funny how it works because they're both trying to <laughs> you know, one's trying to Equal hunt. Equal to or less. Survive. I gotcha. Yeah. 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 So it's the opposite. That's cool. Um so you can score this in round one if no one dies. Or if one dies. Or if one dies, yes. Yeah. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty solid. Particularly because I think the two big guys are the ones that are going to be taking most of the interaction at the beginning. Hmm. Um, so I think that's doable. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Good Luton. Score this in the third end phase if the number of enemy fighters out of action is equal to or greater than the number of friendly fighters out of action for three glory in the third end phase. Yeah, again, I think this is kind of like a trap card similar to the one from the Truth Seekers because in yeah. theory, you'll lose, worst case scenario, you'll lose your two goblins and your Hobgrot, right? The easiest to kill technically. And yeah. then at that point, you have to be able to have killed three or more enemy fighters. And then that kind of range gets into a territory where, you know, it's not necessarily yeah. conducive to uh, a reliable score. Yeah, I think it's better than the one that we saw for the Truth Seekers. Um, in some matchups, it's it's pretty doable. Um, you can kill, probably kill four or five fighters, and they might not be able to wipe you out. Um, but yeah, yeah. In general, it's sort of low power. And third end phase, which you know, 
<clears throat> it's kind of kind of a lot. It's it's a a lot to wait for if you end up not getting it. <laughs> so yeah. Um, the next one is Gristle for the Mill. Score this immediately after a friendly fighter's range one or range two attack action that takes an enemy fighter with a wounds characteristic of three or more out of action for one glory. What it's a pretty think? good card. Just just yeah. just kill someone, get a glory. I like it. Yep. Yep. Most most war bands will have well, all war bands will have something for you. All war bands have so, yeah. Every single yeah. one. It's a good card. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Cruel Tricks. <coughs> one glory. Score this. <coughs> excuse me. Score this immediately after your warband deals precisely one damage that takes an enemy fighter out of action. One glory surge. This one I don't like, just because like I want to be swinging yeah. away with Manic, Manok, and Torka the whole time, and like you could do it with a Git or a Hobgrot, but you've also kind of alluded to the fact that it could be a trap to use them at all. So um, might not be worth it to use these like this card yeah yeah this warband doesn't really have a lot of sources of one damage even even Gicket with his cruel irons might do grievous <laughs> and then do two damage so it's almost like yeah. you have to get a kill with shank so it does say warband though so that does include your yeah. gambit so if you have ping damage which i think mm-hmm. they have one in the deck um it could be useful that does make it a little bit better and maybe it's something you could build around, but yeah. The next one is Cunning Warfare Duel for two glory. Score this in an end phase if two or more friendly fighters are each on a feature token or in a cover hex, and each of those fighters has one or more charge tokens. What do you think? So this seems harder than it actually is. Yeah, um, I think it's a good card. I think Torka and Manok can score this for you because you're probably going to charge. And because of the way feature tokens are more now compact, um, you'll be able to jump on one and still have range because of the two range to attack on stuff. But even yeah. if you have one of them on there, you can do like a Hail Mary with a Grot or a Hobgrot and, mm-hmm. and jump on there. I think it's a really good card. Um, and the, 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 the defensive benefits are great too, you know, from getting that innate double support. So pretty solid. Yeah. If you can be on a feature token, I think you want to be anyway. And then this is a nice way. To do it, I also think that Shanks' range three attack is going to come in a clutch for this one um, mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. well. So, um, I like it. The next one is Malicious Blow Surge Hybrid. Score this immediately after a friendly fighter's range one or range two attack action. If that attack action takes an enemy fighter with a wounds characteristic of two or less out of action, or takes a vulnerable fighter out of action, what do you think? So I. I get it in like the, the, the starter set rivals battle makes sense. You just kill Karos and it works. I think outside of that, um, yeah, cards like these that require a specific type of kill are difficult because you don't know what you're going to play against. Like if you and your buddies or your mates are playing a game and you're like, Oh, yeah, I'm going to bring this warband and you're like, Oh, we'll tailor against each other or this will be fun to mess with him. Great. Or her do that. You know, but if, if you're going to a store event, tournament prize, grand clash, even an online event, it's really hard to plan for this because you might end up with facing a warband that doesn't have a two wound characteristic fighter. And then you have to like try to get them to the point where their fighter is vulnerable and then from there kill them, which I feel like is an extra added step. So I don't like this card. Yeah. Yeah. I might like it a little bit more than you. I think the vulnerable thing is possible. I like it better than the one for doing exactly one damage. I think, 
Um, but yeah, it's relatively low power. Uh, the next one is Mind of Mork. One glory duel. Score this in an end phase if there is a surviving friendly leader and you've scored two or more other objective cards in this round. One yeah, duel. I mean, it, it works. Like, Manok is hard yeah. to take down. Yeah. I um, mean, this is a glory multiplier. Um, yep. I don't know. I think you I, could I, score it. I just don't know if you want it in your deck. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's kind of exactly where the I don't know came from. Is like, I, I just don't know if I want it. If it's too glory, I would. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Out Maneuver. Score this in an end phase if two or more friendly fighters each have the same enemy fighter within the range of one or more of their attack actions for one in glory. Yeah, this is this is actually a really good card. Um, yeah. Because you have two two-range fighters and then one three-range fighter. Yep. And the, the third-range fighter might just... Your opponent might miss that, you know? Yeah. Which is which is pretty good. So, if you're looking for a pretty um, sneaky way to score mm-hmm. one glory, pretty reliably, actually, I think this is a good card. Yeah, and I like the idea of like having to think about those range bubbles. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. P- pretty reliable card there, I think. Um, the next one is Showy Tactics. Score this in an end phase if two or more friendly fighters are inspired. Yeah, this is this is easy. Yeah. Very easy. This is super easy. Uh, The next one is Superior Skulkers. (laughs) Um, Score this in an end phase if one or more surviving friendly fighters are in cover hexes that are not in your territory. Just one cover hex. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really easy to score. Um, Yeah. I think if you want to, like, pair this with cards that want you to be with objective counters, over the course of the game, you can delve and flip. Um yeah. But but even then, like if you want to stick to the whole cover game, which these guys kind of have a cover game theme instead of an objective theme, um, it's pretty doable because you can, if you place that objective in enemy territory right on their on the edge of no man's, then you can charge onto there and still probably hit them, or if they're being aggressive, hit them back when they're standing in your territory. So it's one glory, which might require too much effort to set this up, but. <laughs> I think it's it's certainly doable, and in a rivals deck is very very accomplishable. Yeah, I think if you have a whole deck built around it, then it's possibly worth including. Um, the next one is Supreme Cunning uh, Surge. Score this immediately after a friendly fighter made an attack action with two or more supporting friendly fighters. Yeah, so this is actually a lot easier than you think by reading this because uh, pain in the knee from the two gits. Yep. So. If you're planning on being aggressive with them, um, this could work because you can then just one of them counts as two. So if as long as they're supporting yeah. any attack, you you score this card. And alternatively, it could be someone and then Tough Skull. I guess it could be like Cookran or the leader and then Tough Skull just being mm-hmm. nearby. So yep, yeah, yeah, very very easy for them. Uh, the next one is tougher than use hybrid. Score this in an end phase if. Friendly fighters have more wound counters than enemy fighters have. Or one or more surviving friendly fighters each have more upgrades than each enemy fighter. For one glory. What do you think? I don't think this is bad at all. I I think I like this more for the upgrade than for the wound counters. Although you can certainly do that if Manok is vulnerable, I guess. Um, Yeah. I, I think like sticking a bunch of upgrades on either 
Manok or Torka, can, you can probably get this pretty decently, I think. Yeah, I think that uh, I think it will just happen a lot without trying. Um, yeah. Overall, what do you think about this objective deck? Uh, give me your thoughts on generally, and then what do you think it might look like in a rivals format? Interestingly enough, I think in championship there are going to be better options than most of these. Uh, I think if you need some filler, um, like a one glory card, then I think that you can do that. I think cunning warfare is pretty good for two glory. Um, some of the surges are pretty good. So um, I would say it's a solid championship um, starting point, but it doesn't no, actually, I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good in championship. Um, in rivals, I think that it is uh, very good. Um, yeah, even I think though it's the a third end phase deck. card isn't great, you, I think you will score it sometimes. Yeah, depending um, on the matchup. Yeah, yeah. I and also think the, a lot of the rivals warbands that are popular are like some of the larger ones, like Grimwatch and Skinks, which will lead you to score well because that card can reward you in those matchups. Yeah. Okay. It is relatively low glory. It only has 15. I think Xandri's had like 16 or 17. Or Xandires, rather. Um, And three of the glory is that uh, that end phase. But I also just think the Warband itself is strong from the get, you know, from Fighter Staff. So, yeah, I like it. Okay. Well, do you have a favorite card? Um, I think the favorite one for me is going to be probably Supreme Conan is we're going to see a lot of that one. And then I liked, uh, the one I just said for two glory. Uh, I, I don't know what you said. Warfare. Conan Warfare. Oh, got yeah. it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I like outmaneuver. I think it's a pretty good card as well. So, yeah. Um, cool. Well, let's jump to the power cards. Um, awesome. First. First card here is Creeping Doubt. Choose one enemy fighter. Push one friendly fighter one hex to the chosen fighter. Then if that friendly fighter is adjacent to the chosen fighter, stagger the chosen fighter. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, that's a really good card. Pushes are gray, and then occasionally you'll get a stagger too. For this warband in particular, you want the pushes like to get closer to people, to inspire, or just to get in a cover hex. So Score objectives too that rely yeah. on range bubbles. Yep. It's a good one. Okay. Next one is easy meat plus one damage. The first range one or range to attack action made in the next activation step. If the attacker has one or more supporting fighters, this is really good. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. This is, in- this is insane. Cause Torka and Manok will low key always be supporting one another. Um, if you, if you plan it right. So yeah. Yeah. Torka is just, he makes, he breaks the support mechanic basically <laughs> yeah that bubble of support is incredible so yeah you have to be a lot of first. cards that are unlocked because he exists yeah which is which is cool yeah that's cool i think honestly if it, if it becomes too strong then you know far but it's cool <laughs> um the next one is firebomb this is restricted to crook grin money bags money bags um pick one hex within three hexes of a friendly crook grin then roll one attack dice on a roll of a crit deal one damage to each fighter in or adjacent to that hex 
Otherwise, scatter two from that hex, deal one damage to each fighter in or adjacent to the end hex. Um, yeah, um, it's not bad. I'm just not sure if I want him near stuff. Um, I think the flavor text explains this card perfectly. <laughs> not the most reliable of weapons, but certainly flashy. It's really not that bad. Um, I just don't know if I like it. <laughs> I, I don't think it's good. Well, I mean, I think you're pretty likely because it's deal one damage to each fighter in or adjacent to the end hex and you're going to scatter one, two. It should be pretty easy to do one damage to someone reliably. I don't think you can re- call a scatter reliable, though. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. You know? That's just my, that's my opinion, you know. Um, <laughs> Grot Pile is the next card. Push one friendly minion up to three hexes. After this push, the fighter must be adjacent to one or more enemy fighters. Then you can push another friendly minion up to three hexes. After this push, the fighters must be adjacent to one or more enemy fighters adjacent to the first fighter. Yeah. Um, basically, you push both minions and then they have to be next to each other. Right? Yeah. Well, the, to, to one or more enemy fighters adjacent to the first fighter. Oh, I see. Yeah, so they, they both just, have to be adjacent to the Essentially, they just fighter. both gang up on someone because gotcha. it's a grot pile. Yep. Yeah, uh, that's very good, I think, um, if you're playing aggressively. I'm not sure if you will be playing aggressively, but seems like it could be good. Yeah. Three hexes is a lot, too. It, I mean, it's a, it's a cool push because it doesn't even have to be an offensive push. It can just be like, push a fighter off a cover or objective and then grot pile in and then land your one of your fighters on that hex so that you're adjacent to the enemy fighter. I mean, there's a lot of applications to it. It does not necessarily have to be an offensive card, but I like it for an offensive style deck as well. It certainly is a good uh, asset there. Um, The next card again is restricted to Crookagrin. He has two cards restricted to him. This is called cruel wager. Spend one (laughs) glory point. When you do the bounty that you gain, when an enemy fighter is taken out of action and the next activation step is increased by one glory. So spend a glory. If you get a kill in the next round, you get two glory instead of one. If the fighter is less wounds than six, if it's a six or more fighter, you get three glory because it increases the bounty by one. And the bounty yeah. for six or more wounds is two. Yeah. I don't really like it because you could miss and then you just wasted it. So Yeah. There's there's no not much else to say, honestly. Um, the next one is Cunning Wah. Draw X power cards where X is the number of friendly fighters with one or more charge tokens. Yeah, I like the design of this one. It's uh, better as the round goes on. Um, if you if you draw four cards, that's going to be pretty crazy. Um, but then I'm not really sure like why you wanted to wait until the end of the round to do that. Kind of a weird, kind of a weird timing. So um, I think it's I think it's strong. Um, but I like the design. It's it's a cool design. It's a strong card. Is it better than Duel of Wits? No, I don't think so. Yeah, probably not. Yep. But but I think Duel of Wits should be restricted. So yeah, I was just <laughs> thinking that in my head. Actually. <laughs> was just thinking. I was like, you can't. Any other draw card is not worth it. If yeah, Duel of Wits is there. Um, next one is called Merc Lurkers. Um, mm-hmm. Give one guard token to each friendly fighter in a cover hex. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's pretty good if you're going with a cover build, which I assume is doable with these guys. Yeah. Um, so it seems like it could be good. If you're in guard, 
or if you're if you're two dodge and you're in cover and you have a guard token, you're just not going to get hit. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah, you only have one fail at that point. Half support. Yeah, I'm just not sure you need it. <laughs> so yeah, that's another good point. Um, we might be overthinking on that card, which is the name of the next card, by the way. Overthink, draw one objective mm-hmm. card, then pick one of your objective cards and put it on the bottom of your objective deck. I kind of like cards like these. Um, I don't know if they're actually playable outside of a rivals format, but it's kind of cool to just chuck one that maybe like maybe suboptimal and then kind of hope you get a better one for free. Yeah. And I like putting it on the bottom of your objective deck rather than having to discard it. Yes. It really Um, just makes your first, like even if you, even if you do over and then get something you don't like, makes it smoother. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The next card is Skin of Their Teeth. Reaction, play this during an attack action that targets a friendly fighter. After the attack, roll. If the attack action would deal the precise amount of damage necessary to take that target out of action. Minus one damage from that attack action to a minimum of one until that attack action has been resolved. Yeah, so I think this is a good card. It's a worse version of some similar cards. Like the Ripa's one? Yeah. Um, well, I guess it doesn't really matter if... Because if it was going to overkill you, then it would just kill you anyway, even with Ripa. So, no, I guess it's basically the same. It's, yeah, because I was just thinking that, like, if, if, if you have two wounds it's left and you're about to get exactly two... Yeah. Then you, you save one. Um, but if you're yeah. gonna take three, then this doesn't work. Yeah, you just wouldn't play the Ripa card. So this is just this just has that aspect built in, I guess. So yeah. So yeah, I think it's very good. Yep. Very good. And it leaves you at vulnerable, which might unlock mm. vulnerability, you know, in the deck, potentially. Um the last card here, which has a wicked card art, it's called Swamp Spill. Choose one friendly fighter. You can reroll one dice. And that at fighter's attack rolls for range one and range two attack actions. This effect persists until the end of the phase. Yowza. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a good wow. card. That's, a, that's amazing. It's a very, very good card. Um, very good. Jonathan, what are your, what's your thoughts on the Gambit deck or overall? And um, you can show some rival thoughts in there as well, since you have decided to become the rival's expert. And then pick, tell me your favorite. <laughs> so three, three asks right there. Um, I think my favorite is going to be hmm. <clears throat> uh, maybe Swamp Spell. That's amazing. It's a really good card. <clears throat> yeah, if you go second, you're going to get four rerolls out of that. So mm-hmm. that's really good. Um, in general, I think they have a great power deck. Um, even the weird ones, like Overthink or something like that. Like it's not bad. Um, and then in rivals in particular, like overthink is actually great because it helps make up for some of the weirdness that the objective deck might have. If you can't score something in a round, you can just take, put it away for later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think they have at least six power cards here that I would probably consider taking. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's very strong. Okay. Well, good. Um, I don't think it's so far. I don't think, I think it's, like stronger than some of the good Diarchasm stuff or Beast Grave stuff rather. Or no, no, Diarchasm. But um but I do think it's better than the Truth Seekers so far. 
so yeah, I think I think it is better than the Truth Seekers. I will say, I think this is on par with a lot of the, the good Diarchasm stuff. Like this is yeah, like these cards are <laughs> like I think Starblood Stalkers are probably one of the strongest rivals decks. Um, um, I actually don't think that um, because of the great plan and how weird it is for them to score it. Um, but I think in I think great other plan ones, is like one of the best cards in the game. Yeah, but the two duels that they have are not very good. And one of the hybrids is also not very good. So I don't know, man. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> You've never played them before. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> you don't, don't know, know what they are. <laughs> I mean, I, I played into a Skink Rivals deck and I got destroyed. So I'm hmm. pretty pretty high on it. But um, yeah, I mean, I still think this is really good. Um, I think it's I, pretty good, yeah. I don't think... It's weaker than the Diarchasm stuff. I think Beastgrave stuff just doesn't count in terms of balance, but <laughs> the Diarchasm stuff, you can certainly compete with the best of them. Just just from the first two-thirds of their deck, we haven't even seen the upgrades. Um, but my yeah. favorite is probably <clears throat> Skin of Their Teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Creeping Doubt, Easy Meat, all good cards. Yep. Great cards, honestly. Um, All right. Well, let's go into the upgrades then, which I think – is that me or you? I think it's you, right? Yeah. I'll take the first one here. It's Dirty Fighter Reaction. Use this after a friendly fighter's failed attack action if this fighter was supporting. Deal one damage to the target of that attack action. What do you think? It's kind of like a like – a- Sympathy, like oh yeah, you know, you you missed you missed your attack. Yeah. Here's one damage. Consolation I think in certain, prize. <laughs> exactly. That's a better phrase, a better word for it, more apt. Um, I do think there are certain scenarios where you can like equip this, and then if you only need, if it's a, for example, you're attacking a vulnerable fighter, regardless if you hit or you miss, the character will die, which I think is good. Um, yeah, but that's a niche example, and I don't know if that's going to come up often. And obviously, you put this on tough skull. Because he has a supporting bubble. Yes. Tarp, and that, yeah. that does make it better. Um, it does. But yeah. I mean, you could, you could do like a pretty crazy bubble where he's just pinging everybody. Yeah. If people are, if you just go ham with the, the weaker guys or the less accurate guys. Yeah. But yeah, it's still niche. Uh, next one is Ghastly Potion. It is keyword potion. Action, pick one, then break this card. Deal one damage to one adjacent enemy fighter or heal two this fighter. It is an action, so. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's kind of good, though. Um, I think throughout the course of the game, you're going to lose your weaker guys. So spending an action to keep one of your bigger guys alive or potentially pinging a vulnerable fighter is pretty solid. Um, is it going to make my championship deck? I'm not really sure because I, I think I would rather just take Great Fortitude and maybe something else. Um but in a way, I think this is pretty solid. I'm not going to say it's good, but I'm not saying it's bad either. I think it's bad. Um, <laughs> my The next one is Intimidating. Well, well, hold on. You can't just say that <laughs> and then tell me why you don't think it's bad. Um, I just don't think it's going to usually be worth an activation to heal too. So if you have two fighters left on the board and you have four activations to spend... And your yeah. fighters are integral to what, and your fighters have taken damage. You wouldn't, you wouldn't heal for two. I think there are specific situations when it would be worth it. 
I don't think that those situations happen enough for you to want to plan for it in a championship deck over other options. So um, I do think there would be situations when it is worth doing. It's just that those are rare. And then I would rather just have great fortitude or something. I look forward to proving you wrong. (laughs) All right. Win a grand clash with a ghastly potion. Okay, that's like that's insane. Okay, first of all, <laughs> we both know grand clashes are equal parts skill and luck. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mess with yeah. Um, the next one is intimidating phosphor. It is an illusion. Do not spend any glory points when you play this card at the end of the action phase, or when this fighter is chosen by a gambit or is dealt damage. Break this card. Minus one dice from enemy fighters' attack actions to a minimum of one while they target this fighter. Oh boy. Yeah, because it's free, it's insane. Um, yeah. It's insane on Torka or Manok or whomever. It's a very, very good card. Very good. Um, next good. one is, yeah, like it's it's really just going to be, if you have this in the first round and the leader's in the front, like <laughs> it's just going to be a real pain. Um, next one is the looter restricted to Crook Gurren. When an adjacent enemy fighter with one or more upgrades is taken out of action, increase the bounty for that fighter by one glory point. What do you think? Um, I think it's cool. It's thematic. Like he's the money guy. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to take this card though. Yeah, probably not. Just because he's three wounds and he's not like really an offensive boon either. Yeah. So he'll just, I guess, I guess he, I get he that he's an augmenter for the minions, but that's not the way I'm thinking about playing this deck. And that might be tainting my vision of, of what this card can do. But like the way I would play this deck is I'm going to go fight people with the other two and then hold objectives or cover axes with the other three. Right. And so I don't yeah, think I, looter is worth it in that, in that strategy. I do think it's nice that he doesn't have to actually get the kill, but I think more often than not, that's what would happen when a fighter does die next to him. Um, and you know, it's just, too too specific, but that's only going to happen maybe once a game. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is Master of Merc, plus one dice to this fighter's attack actions while this fighter is in a cover hex. This fighter's attack actions have ensnare while the target is in a cover hex. What do you think? I think it's really good. I think either way, um, you're going to want to gain a benefit from it. I do think offensively it's better. But, um, cause like ensnare yeah. doesn't matter if they have block, you know? True. But if they're dodge, it does, it is nice for that. It kind of puts sure. them, it kind of negates that cover bonus. Yeah. I just don't know about many dodging fighters at this point in the game that want it to be cover versus mm-hmm. objective. Right. That's true. Yeah. I guess we'd have to see. Yeah. So this is more of an offensive tool in my mind at the moment. I agree. But I think that's really good because I feel like these guys want to be on cover hexes. And then range helps them make sure that they are. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, the next one is More Crow. It's an attack action upgrade restricted to Manic. Range four, three fury, one damage with Grievous. It's the new uh, Far Strider. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the miniature has a, a crow on his shoulder. So this crow is actually better than an entire fighter, which is Taros, which is hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> three, yeah, three uh, with Grievous. So potentially two damage, fifty percent of the time it hits. 
probably even more than that, honestly, in terms of hits. So I think it's pretty good. Um, it's a great yeah. way to, you know, be in a cover hex. Then you can actually tie this with Master of Merc. Mm-hmm. And you can be four Fury, Grievous, you know, pretty solid. Yeah, I think as far as weapon upgrades go, it is it is good. I think that uh, it'll be fun to mess around with in Rivals. I don't think it makes the cut in Championship just because it's restricted to the leader. But And he has a pretty good attack action already. Yeah. But, uh, but if you want two extra range. Yeah. yeah. You never know. <laughs> um, the next one is Practical Joke. It's an attack action. Range one, two smash, one damage, and then it has a reaction. After this fighter's activation in which this fighter made one or more attack actions, if a target of one of those attack actions is vulnerable, this fighter makes this attack action. It must target a vulnerable fighter. Interesting. So it doesn't even have to be the same attack actions. You can make your normal attack and then you can make this. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost like a combo weapon. Yeah. You know, if, I you, like if you get someone down too vulnerable, yeah. then you have a shot of a shot of one shot. I mean, you know, <clears throat> I guess finishing them off. Yeah, and it does make that objective where you have to get get a kill with one damage. Like it does work with that too. So that's yeah, kind of nice. Yeah. Presumably they've had by a few design cards already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good call. Yeah. I'm not. I think it's good. I think if you don't have access to a lot of other damage, I think it's worth trying. Um, the next one is spiteful strength plus one damage to this fighter's range one attack actions, but it's restricted to a minion. I kind of love this this balance <laughs> here because you have great strength and all those glory seeker and all that fighter's ferocity. So yeah. the fact that this is a meaningful buff to the smaller guys is, is really interesting to me and, and doesn't let the bigger guys abuse it. Will you take this card? Probably not, but in your rivals deck, is this going to come up and help you win games? Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. It works pretty well with the, what the weapon as well, because it makes it more useful. Yeah. yeah. You do need the little guy, other than the, 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 the ranged one would need a weapon to be able mm-hmm. to use it, but true. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good. It's for rivals for sure. Uh, the next one is Titan of Cruelty, Illusion. Do not spend any glory points when you play this card at the end of the action phase, or when you, or when this fighter is chosen by a gambit or is dealt damage. Break this card. Gives you a reaction after this fighter's action, other than an attack action with scything. Push this fighter one hex. That's okay. pretty good. Yeah, any action, um, which is interesting. I guess it makes charges kind of interesting. You get an extra push. Yeah, you can your charge, turn. jump onto a cover hex. Um, yeah, and then know. attack and then push again. It's kind of interesting. Or you, Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with this. Um, I think it's more of a niche card, though. Like, you have to have a specific game plan. Like, this reminds yeah. me of, like, Duelist Speed with Thorns of the Briar Queen style of play. Yeah, but I mean, that's good for these guys, I think, because they want to be getting onto cover. Um, they're not particularly fast and they have range. So mm-hmm. it's good. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, and he's got traps for days in this picture. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Orcs are muscular. <laughs> the next one, the last one is Titan of Cruel or Titan of Cunning, rather. 
it's another illusion. I think this is their third one. Um, it has all the normal illusion stuff and then plus one defense. Fire. Wow. Fire card. What was the other one there? They're all pretty good. They, they, they have a great faction deck. Like This is one of the <laughs> this is really insane good. rivals deck. So if you get all three of the illusion cards, you'll have plus one defense. You can push around and minus one and dice. Minus from, one dice. Yeah. Wow. Those two are really good. Yeah, because Intimidating Phosphor, Titan of Cruelty, and Titan of Cunning, yeah. yeah. I think out of the two, I think Intimidating Phosphor and Titan of Cunning make it into my championship deck. They're good. Illusions yeah. illusions are broken. <laughs> I don't know about that, but they are going to have an impact. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing is you put both of those on and then somebody plays a choose card on you and, you're, and they're gone. So. Sure, sure. And I think we'll see more choose cards, 100%. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But at the same time. No, they're definitely good. They're really good. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on uh, your favorite card? Um, I think my favorite one is going to be. If you don't uh, say it, I will. What? No, no, come on. You got it. I was going to say maybe Practical Joke. I think that one's cool. Oh, really? Um, That's not the one I thought you were going to say. I don't know what you thought I was going to say. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Titan of Cunning. Um, that one's up there, too. I think I like Intimidating Phosphor more. That's a good one, too. I like the Morcrow. I like the bird thing. I think it's yeah. going to come in clutch. Yeah. I, I do think it's good. <clears throat> Alrighty, well that uh, that kind of does it for the warband. What are your overall thoughts on the faction as a whole? How do you think they're going to stack up uh, in the Harrow Deep meta? Um, I think they're very good. I think that I think that when you're playing against them, I think you can mess up and let them inspire too quickly, and that's going to be very punishing. Um, I also don't really know if you can stop the inspire for very long. No, I don't um, think you can. Because you can even just make a move with one of the little fighters onto a, a gloom token or something, and then move the support guy all the way up with the leader's activate with the leader's reaction thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, there's just not there's no getting away from him. And then if you go into them, then they just inspire their whole warband on you. And then I assume you're trying to hold the gloom tokens and things like that or objectives. Like I would take. I would probably take dominant position right now. I'd probably take path to victory. Like I would take all the normal holding stuff and a hold two type stuff with them. Um, and I think the inspired stats of those two main fighters are just hard to deal with. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. I think they've got some crazy cards, some good cards, reliable ones. And I think that's like the hallmark trait in general for any warband is do they have faction cards that can see them through the day in perhaps a season or a time period in a season where the universal pool may not be as um, forgiving? Yeah. And then on top of that, we have two stat balls with Morka and Manok. Mor- Torka is mostly there for his ability, right? But uh, yeah, I think just with two fighters like that and the faction cards at their disposal, I think... They're in a really good spot. I think 
I think when you compare the two warbands in the starter set, I think this is a better warband. Um, I think you in know, a rivals matchup, while this deck might be better, I think there are ways in which the truth seekers can kind of um, keep up. But uh, overall, I do see the Cunning crew to be more popular championship wise, which is actually kind of unfortunate because that's kind of what happens to Stormcast, right? Like <laughs> you kind of get excited for them, you realize they're not that good. And then they kind of just fall to the wayside, which is unfortunate, but you never know. I don't know. I think Steelhearts were the winner of the first one. And then Cursebreakers at first were the winner. And then Thorns kind of surpassed. Um, Wild Hunt were definitely the winner, but that that's not Stormcast. Okay, we'll look at Dreadfane, Condemners. That's true. Look at the Castigators. Yeah. And so, I mean, they're not like the Condemners, Castigators, you know, difficult or hard to play. Or I like the investigators. I I actually think I know the investigators are okay. They could be. They could have a few better, a few more good cards. I think. Yeah. Um, really, the problem with that set is the creepers are a little bit insane. Too good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think the these guys are creeper levels of power, but they're 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 <laughs> good. They're good. They're certainly good. I don't think they are, but if you get in the middle of them, they will mess you up in a very similar way. Yeah. Um. The attacks are actually pretty similar to the the range two two damage, and these guys have, you know, grievous and stuff. So, yeah, um, I think they're going to be strong. I, I actually don't know. I think it'll depend on the cards whether or not they're better than the truth seekers. I think the truth seekers get better the more cards that we have. Um, I'm not sure if these guys. These guys are going to depend on how good is the holding objectives, how good is the holding cover stuff. Because I think yeah. that's how they are going to play. I don't know if they play that good all out aggressively. Because the leader and the big guy will die eventually. Um, and if you're not scoring a bunch of glory in the meantime, um, then that might be difficult. So I don't yeah. know. I I don't know if the I don't think the power difference is giant, but I think these guys do have the advantage um, from the get go. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's a good summary and and a great way to kind of stop talking about that warband and jump into some <laughs> Patreon questions. Um, sure. You know, because we cut the other one short on the last episode because I figured we'd run through this one faster just because that's what we do when we get in the swing of things. So <laughs> um, we've got more questions here. So, you know, for any patrons that are listening, your question, if you did ask one, which we got a bunch, um, will be answered here. So um, why don't we start with um, Mr. Schmoovness? In your opinion, what archetypes are going to be strong at the beginning of the season? which archetypes will fall off who will reign as drepper's second in command <laughs> yeah drepper is so probably pretty good um so i think right now i think the thing that took the biggest hit from the cycle is the things that use the surge objectives um i think if you weren't taking hidden purpose um, maybe you're fine, but the speed package is gone too, so that's hard to judge. Um, it's a good question. I, th- I I'm not really sure. My my gut says the Drippers are still really good. Um, I think vampires might be better than they were before. I think I think tough aggro, um, is better than it was. I feel like the weapons and the you know punching up and stuff is good, but not as good as it was. Um, and I'm not sure how the cover and the objective stuff is going to work. I actually think it's better 
than we thought the objective play would be. I think objective play is different, but I think there's still a lot of glory to be had in there. Um, and I, I, I need to, I am not sure how to gauge how much more durable everything is with the cover hexes. And that's only going to help objective play. Yeah. Good, good answers. Um, I do agree that like tough aggro is going to be in a great spot. I think everyone's going to want to play some sort of aggro. Um, whether yeah. you're trying to hold objectives, cover hexes or, um, invade enemy territory. Like if you don't have a plan to just kill stuff, I think you're going to be in trouble. Um, like obviously objective play is going to require a bit of a rework and objective play might transition to hold cover hexes for a while. And that's okay. Cause the concept and the play is the same. I do think that there is a world in which supremacy does come back. Um, we've always said it was too slow, but now that those fast cards are gone, who knows, you know, path to victory plus supremacy could be a staple in a lot of objective war bands. Um, I really do believe that war bands with strong faction objectives are going to be relevant. Um, and so in terms of Drepper's second in command, um, I think Grimwatch have never left. I think Grimwatch are pretty insane. Delve slows them down a little bit. Um, but like once the objectives are flipped, they're, they're running through that deck pretty quickly. And you can do that uh, fairly quickly given the way Delve works, right? You can only flip, you know, Delve once per turn, but or per power phase. But there's, you know, what, there's 16 in a round? So, yeah. Or eight, sorry, or eight, no, yeah. no, 16, right? Uh, no. Eight. Yeah, power step after each person. So there's, we both, there's eight activations, time two sixteen, Right? Four activation. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so no, you no. could, I mean. There's one after each, there's one after each activation, so there's eight per round. But you get, now I activate and then it's oh, my well, power step and then flip. you activate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So we you both get to flip in each yeah. other's turns. So there's 16. And so I really do think like these guys that we're covering today, the cunning crew are, are going to be like a top, a top war band for a little bit, just because they've got some really good stuff. And, and they're actually, because of the range two and the support built in, they're actually going to do really well into like tough aggro. Yeah. Because That's they have true. a lot of grievous and ping damage and, and uh, the ability to support one another offensively and, and defensively. Um, I think Starbucks stalkers were really kind of like on the cusp, but I think with um, they've got some really good cards, I will say, but uh, I don't know if they're going to like be up, up, up there, but I think my, my biggest bet is Drapper or Grimwatch and then kind of like take your pick of any previously really good war band and try to make it fit um, in recent times. Yeah. Um, I also don't sleep on purifiers. I still think they're good for some reason. They just kick my butt all the time. So, um, <laughs> okay. Next question from Compaq: Which warband is your favorite of the two, Jonathan? Um, competitively, I think it is going to be the Cruel Boys. Um, I might like the design space and the like inspiration mechanic. I like I like that a lot. So, yeah. Flavor wise, I think I like the Truth Seekers better, but. Uh, I think cruel boys are more competitive. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think like flavor and competitive wise, I think the cruel boys are better, um, more interesting, but because like I love space Marines and I love Stormcast, <laughs> I, I do want to play Xandar's truth seekers. And, um, you know, we will, you know, I'm going to be recording some games with my, my local gaming group. And so you'll probably yeah. see me get murked by the, uh, 
fighting <laughs> through a lot, but uh, you know, we'll be playing rivals decks and championship decks. So I think it'll be really fun um, to see how they work. Cool. But uh, yeah, I think I'm going to pick the Stormcast side for this conversation. <laughs> um, God scored gamer. Um, good friend of the show. Do illusionary upgrades make the Godsworn hunt OP? <laughs> um, so far, I would say no. What do you think? Not OP, but good. Um, good enough to where like they're going to be able to compete. And as the season progresses, and presumably, you know, illusion goes into the next season, then um, the more and more options they have, the better it'll be. I don't think it'll ever get to a point where you might have to errata the Godsworn hunt to exclude illusions. Cause I don't think they're, they're just, they're not stat balls. Like if you kill Grundon and Thedra, you're in a good spot. Right. So, yeah. but I do think they're going to be like good and you'll probably see people try them a lot. Well, the I other thing is like a lot of it's going to depend on the card so far, unless I'm forgetting, um, I don't. I can't really think of any that you actually would want on them um, for the sake of what the objective does. So, like, if there was a plus one damage illusion, that would be amazing for them. Mm-hmm. So, what you're sort of doing is you're you're not taking another upgrade. Like, because normally all you do is pack in damage. Like, you take as many offensive upgrades as you can. So far, most of these are not very offensive. They're more like defensive or utility based. Um. Uh, unless I'm missing anything obvious. Um, so, so like, yes, you'll inspire and you'll get the inspired bonus, but you're not going to also get the plus one damage or plus one dice or whatever the really good illusion bonus. I mean, really good upgrade bonus that you would normally get in a Godsworn Hunt deck. So I almost feel like it's a trade-off um, because of that. But if they come out with really good offensive illusions, then yeah, it's going to be good for them. Up until yeah, the point I mean, they have glory, and then it's about the same. Agreed, and and I'm not saying now. I'm just just saying yeah. the mechanic in general. Will I think they will make Godsworn good? Um, yeah, no, I think they, so. I would probably take like two in a deck because I'm going to assume that I can I can I can have a surge that I can score, and then I might maybe I'll, if I don't have any surges, I'll get that, and then maybe that'll let me get a kill. But um, I wouldn't take too many unless they are uh, offensively also what I want anyway. Correct. Yes. And, and again, I think, um, you know, if you, if you told anybody, if you can like, Oh, you can take two inspiration strikes in your warband, you might do it. So, yeah, and that's kind of what they are yeah. essentially. That's uh, true. Okay, cool. Well, uh, um, Shmoovness has another question. Who's the best <laughs> candidate to drop illusion upgrades on? And why is it Ripa? Ooh, that's <laughs> another good one. Yeah, uh, I mean, Godsworn Hunt aside, probably. Um, I'm I would to say it really ahead. is just going to depend on the card. Yeah, I'm trying to look through the destruction upgrades. And I don't think they have an illusion. Oh, they do. They have Visage of Destruction, which is yeah. minus one dice from enemy attack actions. That's really good on Ripa. If you stick that on him, and then I think there's a common universal that um, it's called Terrifying Shadow. So minus one dice from attack actions that target you while you're in a cover hex. Plus one defense while this mi- this fighter is in a cover hex if it's a minion. So you could stick both of those on Ripa, and if he's in a cover hex, he's almost impossible to hit. 
Um, yeah. So that could work. It's pretty solid. <clears throat> Probably, I would say right now, the answer is going to be Manok or Torka because so far they have three really good ones. Yeah, they definitely have the best illusions thus far. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next question is from Hussman77. Saw some of the new cards on Warhammer Community. What's up with the bold word, Assassin? Well, uh, my friend, if you haven't heard from our first mm-hmm. episode, Assassin is literally just a bold word. It's a keyword. Um, what it does, though, is it does allow uh, certain fighters who bear this keyword to um, either you know help score cards, use particular gambits, or use upgrades classified strictly for assassins. So um, it's just another way for fighters to be a little bit more niche. And I really like it from a design perspective because it's controlled, right? If you make an assassin card and you know who all your assassins are, and what, and then, and when you design future assassins, you can make sure that everything stays within a certain power level, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so far, I guess none of these fighters are assassins innately. I guess we're not sure if that's a thing. I think we have one card where um, it makes you an assassin, at least. Maybe there was two. Um, they didn't strike me as being great, so I guess we'll just see as more cards come out. There were some really good assassin cards, like rerolls and stuff in the gambits. Yeah, there were some good ones for being an assassin, but I think I only saw an upgrade that makes you an assassin. It couldn't be on your leader, I think. Uh, well, that just means assassins but, are coming, right? So, yeah, yeah, I'm sure they are. So, <clears throat> um, okay. Next question: Assuming we this is from Dylan Paul, one of our aspiring champions. Um, assuming we don't get a new hidden purpose in the Harrow Deep box, what are your thoughts on warbands that have faction surges? for holding objectives now that the universal pool has cut down on surges of this type? That's the first question. Mm, I think the second one is second part of it is sort of a follow-up. Do you feel like the Grimwatch, the spoilers, crushes, purifiers, and Celestis have a big leg up on the other hold objective strategies right now because of their access to these strong surges that no one else has now? I guess, uh, I guess if you're asking me, yeah, I do. I think they do to a certain extent. Um, I think surge objective play has slowed down again because of delving right? Cover hexes and all that. So it's definitely slower. Um, but once everything has been flipped, which presumably you only need to flip it one time, which is the first round, right. you can pretty cycle, you can cycle through it pretty quickly. Um, and I do think Grimwatcher busted. I've never shied away from this opinion. <laughs> I think they're a very good warband. They're very strong, even with their far card restrictions. Um, in fact, you probably just take all of their cards now, given how so many cards from Beastgate rotated. Um, the spoilers have a temporary victory. It's pretty good. Um, crushes, yeah, okay. Um, and Purifiers, I guess maybe you're on to spoilers level. And then Celestis, I think I lo- Personally, I know you're higher on them. I just haven't had much experience with them. Uh, I lump them in with Crushes. So I, I definitely think Grimwatch has the edge. But otherwise, if it wasn't for Grimwatch, no, I don't think they'd be extremely strong because I think th- those Warbands are balanced when they have that kind of... <laughs> Yeah, I think I mostly agree. Um, I think I, I would say that it's definitely in a uh, from a balanced perspective, it's definitely an improvement because you don't know which objective is which. So for the Harrows, Lady Harrows, and um, Grimwatch with uh, Shifting Madness, um, it is harder to score those. Um, you, you're not really sure where that objective is at first. Um, I would say there's. There's almost like two different kinds of warbands that do surge objectives. There's some that only do surge objectives, um, and they don't try to like hold objectives in the end phase, really. Or maybe they'll have like dominant position or something. And there's others that are like heavier into the end phase stuff. Um, 
the ones that are heavier into the in-phase stuff, I think are going to be uh, similar or they're going to have, they're going to have an advantage because they're going to be on objectives. And then when they know their surges are coming in the second and third round, they're, they're going to be ready at the end of their activation to have met the condition. Um, they'll just keep them flipped. Um, things like that. The war bands that like before would take hidden purpose and swift capture because why not? Like they're not that hard to do. Um, those I think will suffer a little bit because um, it's just going to be harder to get on one and then flip it and then stay there for a round. Um, interestingly, the Celestis basically have to do this. Like everybody kind of has to do what the Celestis had to do now. And so they probably notice it the least, um, but they also care about numbers like one and four or whatever. So they don't like that. So <laughs> it is a big shift, I think to all of them, but um, Grimwatch, they can probably still get three in the second or third round pretty easily. Yeah. 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 I agree. Uh, Omni ops, simple question. Uh, are you excited for the new season? Yes. Are you, Jonathan? Yeah, I am mostly just excited to get, because it seems like people in my local community are excited and, uh, you know, get games in with people I haven't played with in a while or new people. And um, the rules seem refreshing and the boards are just really pretty. So, yeah. Rock on. What are you most intrigued by? Hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I think the new warbands and the new, um, the cards, honestly, it's as much of a broad answer as that is that kind of dictates this whole game. Right. So I think the cards are yeah. the most intriguing to me, just trying to build decks. Um, the keywords don't intrigue me. They excite me. Yeah. I think I might be intrigued to, to really get into figuring out how the changes to the objective tokens and the gloom, and the delving, like to really figure that out uh, in a way that I, I'm only speculating on right now. So, yeah. Okay. Um, this next question from Wath Lab, Four Dwarves and a Bear. This question will probably be much more relevant in a few weeks, but as I think about <laughs> it now, how would you compare championship and rivals balance, in particular in terms of power level between top tier and low tier warbands? In my honest opinion, playing rivals will be a really interesting experience. It helps us have a better understanding of the role played by universals as balancing slash rebalancing tools, rebalancing tools and other game modes. What do you think? <laughs> um, I would say that I think it's actually pretty close um, whether or not championship and rivals are like, which one is more balanced. Um, championship is probably more balanced right after a far list. Um, otherwise it's probably about similar in that, like there are some more bands that are clearly the top tier and then kind of a cascading pyramid or you maybe like a bell curve, um, yeah. below that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some things, there's some more bands that are just weak when it comes to stats and there are other war bands that are weak when it comes to cards. There's some more bands that are weak for both. Um, but then there's other war bands that are like, that have really strong mechanics, but their cards aren't very good. But then with the right universals, um, in championship, they can shine. That isn't going to happen in rivals. Like Wormsbat and rivals are just going to be bad. 
because they have three surges garbage. and their cards are not good. And there's nothing they can do about that unless a Rivals deck comes out that they like to play, which is entirely possible. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, Championship has the advantage of having other cards you can use if your faction cards are bad. <laughs> um, and at this moment, Rivals doesn't, because the only rival deck we have is Silent Menace, and calling that a deck is kind of a stretch. It's not It's not very good. No. For anybody. I think a simpler way to answer this question for me is as long as B-Scrape Warbands exist, there will never be balance in Rivals. <laughs> uh, I'm not even joking. Like, it's it's ridiculous. You know, you use Wormspat as a low end of the spectrum. Well, think yeah. about Grimwatch or Hothcorn with eight surges. <laughs> like, it's, it's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, but Hothcorn like, surges aren't very good. But I mean, one of them aren't. I think the <laughs> others are pretty solid. Like one of them is flip a flip an objective token, just delve, yeah. and you get a no, surge. Some of them know, are like, some of them are good. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, uh, if you take Dirochasm as a season and you compare all the faction decks against one another, super balanced. If you take these two warbands and stick them in the Dirochasm pool, super balanced. So hopefully, yeah. in a year when p- people have less access to Grimwatch. And assuming we stop playing online as much, <laughs> then we'll see um, a shift. But right now, it's a yeah. little bonkers. Yeah, I think that's true. I think Grimwatch are really the only one that I think stands head and shoulders above. Your the bias for Hrothgorn shows. Um, maybe, maybe. I just don't think his deck is that cohesive. I think he's got a lot of bad cards and then like a few really good ones. But He only needs a couple to do well. That's the thing with Hawthorne. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, yeah we, we digress. <clears throat> you want to take the next question? Yeah. That's from Dylan Paul. Again, the uh, which Grand Alliance has the strongest or most interesting cards? Which alliance wins? Death. I think we know the answer. Yep. Have you ever death. seen uh, the Lord of the Rings? Uh, the trilogy? The Battle of Pelennor Fields? Where uh, King Theoden, Theoden King is making a speech. And he says, ride, uh, you know, ride for ruin. And then he just screams death like three times. <laughs> that is how confidently we are telling you that death is the best in terms of the cards they've received via the Grand Alliance cards thus far. And I fear that that trend will continue. I know. I can't wait for those Gorath hunger decks where you kill him and you're like, oh, I can, I got it. And then they bring it back. <laughs> Yeah, I got just it. Give it. I'm so I'm so upset you revealed that to the the, the population. But uh, no. I mean, yeah, it doesn't take a rocket science. But anyways, yeah, Anders, no. any example of Grand Alliance cards that could work well in balancing older factions, both internally in the Grand Alliance and in the larger card pool? I.e., this card is great for this weaker destruction warband, but Malog can't abuse it. Are we really happy? Some of the death warbands can't take. <laughs> doesn't matter what they can or cannot take because the ones they got. Our fuego. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, looking at the destruction stuff here. So the order, I, I mean, I think on our, our, if you looked at the first, if you listen to the first episode in the Harrow Deep season, we aren't very high on the order cards. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I guess like, Gifted bulk is pretty cool for us for all chaos warbands. It does help some of the weaker chaos fighters. This is a plus one wounds. Um, 
And then you also have a reaction where if you kill somebody, you can just give it to them. Um, I think that's kind of cool. There was a card that Vortimus got a benefit for. Like Agonizing Bolt is a really cool one. Like if you have a wizard, you can cast a spell um, for one damage. If you're Vortimus, it's one range more. I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything that's like... I think everything in Destruction we've seen, Molog can't abuse. It could be... Could be uh, famous last words though but uh <laughs> yeah i don't think so yeah actually i have a perfect example for this card trogoth's blood give this to a fighter with a wounds characteristic of four or less that fighter is a hunter after this fighter is given an upgrade heal this fighter so can potentially help warbands like ripas maybe they don't need the help but maybe even iron skulls boys um but Molog and hrothorn can't abuse it pretty cool so I agree, but that's just a balanced card in general. The fact that it's destruction doesn't make it. Um... Well, the reason that it's balanced, which is his question, right? Like this card is great for weaker destruction warbands, but Molog can't abuse it. I don't know. Maybe it's not that great. Is yeah, that I mean, to make? no, maybe I'm, maybe I'm interpreting the question differently. So the way I see it is theoretically because there is the concept that is Grand Alliance cards. You could make a card that theoretically would be broken for the Grimwatch, but by putting it in a different Grand Alliance, you avoid that scenario. But I think that that, while possible, is probably just not that likely to happen. Um, At least by looking at the card's that we see here. Um, I think it's just too hard. I mean, honestly, there's not really anything that most of the Grand Alliance warbands have in common. So if there's an objective warband, if you want to make a good card for an objective warband and you put it in, you know, randomly in any Grand Alliance, it's probably going to be good for a couple of them. Whether or not that happens to be the warband that is, you know, at the top of the meta at the time um, seems a little bit random to me. Um, I'm I don't not think really that's what sure. he's asking, though. I really don't think that's what he's asking. Okay, he's, he's saying like, what are cards that exist that do help older warbands, but don't let the more powerful warbands abuse it? And and maybe it's not possible. Maybe maybe it does answer yeah. that because like in the in the situation with death, like all the good warbands are going to abuse it, but it also does significantly buff Sepulchral Guard, which is probably the weakest death band. Um, yeah. But I guess I guess what I would say is that I think you could make balanced cards that are good for certain warbands, but not others, and make them universal. I don't think the fact that they're Grand Alliance does much about that. Yeah, I, I guess from what we've seen of the Grand Alliance cards, they look like they took a really safe approach to where, like, right. you know, hopefully this appeals to the masses. So let's make cards that everybody can technically use, but they might not be great. What I would have done with Grand Alliance is maybe something really different, like make an upgrade that's Chaos Grand Alliance that gives plus one defense to wizards. Why? Because Zarshia, Thedra, and Vortimus would love that card, but it doesn't make them broken. And, but then, but then you see that's a card pretty much designed for three warbands. You know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but that's what I would have used Grand Alliance <clears throat> cards for. And I honestly think that would have been more interesting and people would have appreciated that more because instead we get a card called Phantom Pain, which is literally trash. So I, I agree that that would be better. And that's sort of what I was reading 
the question as. Um, okay. But I'm just not sure how realistic that is. It doesn't, I'm not really sure. I just, I just don't know if at any given time you can know which Grand Alliance is going to need the most help. And then, like, if there's a far list, then do they have an unfair advantage? I'm not sure. That, that's that's what's strange to me about the concept is you're printing cards for, you know, randomly a quarter of the warbands, sort of. Um, and maybe it could be planned out, but then what happens if a really good Chaos Wizard, you know, warband comes out? <laughs> you know? So then you just don't release one in the same time frame. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Or you maybe there's like, maybe, you know, because they're half seasons now. Or actually, I don't even know if that matters. It's still probably going to be a year. So, like, the thing is, <laughs> is I get what you're saying. I, I agree with you. Yeah. But I don't think these cards are ultimately... I think the problem with this game has always been the rich get richer. Um, and Grand Alliance doesn't really stop that from happening. Because, like, you could have created a card that was... like, And, 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 you're, and you're saying, like, you don't get how the design would function. But this is literally, like... Take a look at all the warbands that exist. What are the warbands that no one plays are bad? Um, so let's take, because we're talking about chaos, let's talk about chaos. Reavers, Godsworn, Despoilers could probably use some help. Um, you know, whatever. Let's just take those. What, what yeah. do they all have in common? They like to move fast. They like to be in enemy territory. But, you know, they don't really last very long. Okay, well then let's make a card that maybe like helps them like scavenged armor could have been a chaos specific upgrade and it would have been really cool. And it's really thematic because it makes sense because they loot pillage and raise and it would have been a huge buff to like war bands like reavers, but it wouldn't have like made Magors or Kagras broken. Right. Um, not even Kagras. It's a bad example, but like Magors or worm spat or uh, dread pageant or even spite claw. So, I, I really would have liked more targeted like soft buffs rather yeah. than blanket BS cards like Phantom Pain. <laughs> Not a fan of that one, huh? Uh, it's just literally <laughs> useless. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, it, yeah. it just really is. Like, I'll read it to you. <laughs> Illusion. Minus one defense to a minimum of one. Your range three attack actions have plus one range. Like, it's, what is that? Yeah. No, it's terrible. It's um, the worst card I've seen. <laughs> Anyways, rant over. Um, Compact says, my money's on death. Death always gets the best stuff. You were not wrong, Compact. Yep. Yep. Um, and I think that's it for the questions. questions. The, the yeah. rest of this chat is just uh, talking about how good death is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Val mentions, didn't death just lose to the elves? Maybe their time is over. Psych. <laughs> I love how like so many people reacted with fingers crossed. I love these guys. We have such cool <laughs> patrons. Um, well, yeah, that kind of does it for patron questions as well as our review on the Cunning crew. Any final thoughts, Jonathan, before you close us out today? No. Uh, well, I guess I have some final thoughts. Um, I'm definitely excited to get some games in. Um, when this comes out, we'll have everything, all our reviews, and I'm going to try to get some games in um, tomorrow, which is when it comes out, uh, or when the preview comes out. And uh, so that'll be fun. And I'm just excited to try the new stuff, see how the new mechanics work, and hopefully get some new players involved locally. So, um, And I guess we will do some end phase episodes in the next week or so as we yes. um, start making decks and 
give our thoughts on what uh, what to do at the start of the season. So, yeah, look forward to that. I'm OE really glad training. you mentioned. Really glad you mentioned the end phase stuff. Um, we will be doing decks for Cunning Crew and uh, Xandar's Truth Seekers. Yeah, um, we'll probably do some decks to try to revitalize some of the older warbands via Grand Alliance. Um, so that could be fun. Um, we'll definitely, you know, give you guys the content you deserve. Um, <laughs> it's just this week has been really hectic um, with, um, you know, we got a delay with our boxes. So they kind of came in later than we thought. And then you have to scramble to, you know, make sure you can create the content with the resources <laughs> you have in a, in a, in a limited time. Because we are, the time is, is ticking, right? Um, everything drops at 4 a.m. Central Time U.S. Um, so it is my unfortunate duty to be up till then. But uh, <laughs> it's Friday, you know, so after I finish editing this, I might have a drink or two and kind of post out, hang out. Yeah. And honestly, I think uh, at this point, all I could do would be speculate and uh, put a deck together I think works. So hopefully we'll have uh, some more concrete thoughts uh, in the next week. I mean, we so. can definitely play games. So yeah. Yeah. We'll play games and we'll figure it out and we'll let you know what we came up with. Yep. And as always, if uh, you guys have any ideas for what you want in the end phases, let us know. 100%. All right. Well, I think that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, once again, thank you for our to our patron supporters. If you'd like to join our current patrons, you can do so at patreon.com slash path to glory. You can find all of our blog content on path to glory podcast.com. If you have any feedback, questions, or comments, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or discord at path to glory podcast. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. As always, thanks for listening. And we wish you the best of luck on your path to glory. These guys are OP. Yup. Yeah.